Well, let's pray and we'll get started on our 930. Father, we come here this morning to hear your word, to be led by your spirit, to worship you, to commune with the saints, to, to receive the sacraments, to fellowship with one another, uh, and to uh, cherish and experience your presence, Jesus Christ. We pray all that through the authoritative uh, name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So I decided I'd do something today. Not like, okay, that's going to be like a big letdown. I'm just going to tell you what the main points are. I'm going to tell you what you should be getting out of this 930 teaching, like right now. And then the people who come late will just have to listen and find out at the end. Yeah. Roseanne's like, yeah, I get it. So there's like going to be two takeaways. Uh, I am still going through uh, uh, the book of Acts, and we're in Acts chapter 22. Because this is the 930 and we don't, I don't want to take up 10 minutes to do a scripture reading and read through the entire chapter, um, and I don't want to exposit every, go through verse by verse. Um, so this is essentially Paul's, the second time we get Paul's testimony, the first time he's telling it. Um, and so Acts 21 is, he goes to Jerusalem, he starts a riot, of course, and as he's totally insinuated it by just being there. Uh, and so then, as he's getting arrested, he, he asks the centurion, like, hey, real quick, can I, can I say something to these people? I, I think there's something they might want to hear. Uh, I think I can explain myself. And so Acts 22 is him talking to the angry Jews who are persecuting him. And interesting, the only thing I really bring out in the actual text is that verse 2 is when they heard him, that he was addressing them in their Hebrew language, they became even more quiet, and then he began to speak. So he addressed them in Hebrew, and they're like, oh, I guess we'll listen. And then you can, and then Paul tells his testimony. He tells uh, his, for 21 verses, he tells his testimony uh, about what Jesus has done. And so in Acts chapter, I forget if it's 8 or 9, in Acts chapter... Nine, we get where Saul was converted, and and we get the first telling of his testimony of what happened. The second time here is in Acts twenty-two, and then you get it again in chapter twenty-six, where he's telling his testimony again. So the first thing you might think is like, why do we have it so many times? And there's a few minute minute details that are added to or clarified, um, like in chapter twenty-two. It, it explains or recounts that the men that were with him on his way to Damascus didn't understand the voice of Jesus when Jesus showed himself in a, in a bright light. And in Acts 26, it says that Jesus was talking in Hebrew, so it could just be that they didn't know Hebrew. It, it could. I don't know. Um, that would be one explanation. But And then there's some other just small differences uh, that add to the explanation of Paul's testimony. And so, you guys are still like, what are the two points? I want to hear it and check out. <laughs> so here they are. <laughs> so the, this is what I want us to get this morning in the 930 is, number one, consider your own testimony and consider how God would have you use it in various situations on how you can use your testimony, as your witness to Christ, to help others, to lead others to Christ, to um, 
maybe not in a conversion sense, lead others to Christ, but lead others in our church to Christ even more fully through your testimony. Through this is what Jesus did for me. This is how he did it. You're in the same boat, seemingly. Here's some encouragement. All right, so consider your testimony. It seems here, Paul was on the spot, and he, he instantly knew his testimony. He knew what he was going to clarify. He knew what he was going to say. He had probably done it a dozen times in, in planning churches. Um, and so consider your testimony. Have it ready. Be ready to talk about some points of what Christ did for you, whether that's in conversion or in a difficult situation or, or just how sweet the presence of the Lord is uh, to you and, and think about how you can communicate that to others. So that's the first takeaway. The second one is ask the other people in our church their testimony. Um, ask questions like, when have you seen the power of God? Uh, when were you converted? How, were you, how did Christ convert you? Uh, what is the most intense encounter with Jesus you have ever had? Because uh, I was thinking about this last night, and I was like, oh, yeah, I've like, I know, considered my testimony, but I've considered, I was considering our congregation. I was like, well, I can, I can probably think of what Christ has done in most individuals' lives since they've been here, since I've known them, but I don't know everybody's conversion story. I don't know what the most intense encounter with Jesus everybody has ever had. I, I don't know very many people's conversion stories, actually, in our church. And so one way to build community um, and to see what Christ is doing, not just in us individually, but corporately, is just ask other people, what's your testimony? And so when you're in the fellowship hall this afternoon, ask people their testimony. That's the homework. Ask them uh, questions like, hey, I've never heard, never heard what Jesus has done for your life. Could you tell me? And so if you don't consider it now, then you won't be prepared later. Uh, and you're like, uh, 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 he, he got me here this morning. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> and so, but I want to consider just the power of, of your own testimony, power of testimony, power of witnessing. Um, as we're going through the book of Acts, we're focusing on Acts 1-8, where Jesus says, you will be, you'll receive power from on high, and then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uh, until, the ends of the, until the ends of the earth. And so we've kind of looked at that in a community, church planning, what, God's, what God is doing, but he says that you will be my witnesses, and a witness is someone who has seen an event, and when you testify, it's because you've witnessed and now you're telling about it. So witness, testimony are, are almost synonymous. And so when you consider the book of Acts, the whole book of Acts is a testimony to what Christ is doing. The whole Bible, the first testament, and the second, the Old Testament, and the New Testament, are just testimonies about what God is doing. And if you look through Scripture, like um, just some examples would be like the Song of Moses, you have, which I believe is in Deuteronomy, and you have the whole Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy of this account, which is mostly from Exodus on, is God saving the Israelites out of Egypt. And then you get to the Song of Moses, which I think is chapter 30 or something in Deuteronomy. And it's towards the end. I don't even know if there's 30 chapters in Deuteronomy, so just... Fact check that one for me. Uh, somebody should look that up. Uh, and then you get like, just say it out loud. I don't know that you're 34. Okay. Is Deuteronomy 34? There's 34 chapters. 
There's 34 chapters, okay. 32 is the Song of Moses, thank you. Uh, the numbers are backwards for me, so <laughs> I can't read it from up here. Uh, but then you get the whole thing, and then, then what does Moses do after recounting this whole testament, testament of what God has done? Hey, here's a song, and let's just sing everything that happened over the last, like, 80 years. And let's just remind everybody through a song. And so he does, he does this constantly. God does this constantly to remind us um, of what we've seen, of what he's done in our individual lives, of what he's done in our corporate lives, what he's done in the lives of the people of God throughout history. And, and so testimonies, I think, are super powerful, and we probably don't utilize them enough. I would say I don't utilize my testimony enough. I don't utilize uh, that enough. And, and so I'm just projecting onto you people. And so... If I'm bad, you're worse. <laughs> and uh, that's a joke, by the way, in case you don't pick up on that one. That's a joke. Uh, and so um, I'm just assuming that we don't use our testimonies as much. And it's just something to consider. And I think as we get to know each other's testimonies, and we should be a community of people who are talking about what God is doing and reminding uh, each other about what God has done. And so oftentimes in <clears throat> discipleship situations or in counseling situations or with your spouse or with your children, uh, when you're the person giving advice or counseling somebody, that you often have, when someone gets despondent or, or it's just a, it's a hard season, you have to remind them of what God has done in their life previously and where God has taken them and uh, and what he's done, and, and that he's not left them or forsaken them, and this might be a hard time, but God's been faithful here. Here's some proof. I know your life. I know your testimony, and then God's going to pull through again, right? And so uh, using testimonies is, is very practical in a sense, and, and I, and I want to just get behind that. I think it's very powerful. So consider your testimony and ask others in our church about their testimony. That's your homework. And you can start now. You can start today. And so I'd have you consider Revelation 12:11, saying that they have conquered him, that is Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, for they love their lives even unto death. And so this is contextually speaking in that the accuser of the brethren, Satan, is persecuting the church. And how do they conquer? By the blood of the Lamb, by them being forgiven by Jesus Christ, having atonement applied to them. There's nothing that they actively did there. They just, they've conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, by their testimony. They're reminded constantly of what God has done, probably relating to the blood of the lamb, but it's, they're, they're conquering by their testimony. And so this is, again, individually and corporately, we could... Uh, corporately ask ourselves, what has God done in our church what, you know, for the last, and we, I hope we do, because I'll continue to remind us until we have a giant celebration that we're celebrating 20 years this year. And, and I did look up statistics, at least there's one statistic that's commonly quoted. I couldn't find the actual uh, like Barna study, but most church plants don't last past five years in, in the West. Yeah. And so uh, 20 years is a big deal. We could look back over 20 years and see, I've only been here maybe nine, nine or 10. And so I don't know what happened the 10 years prior. It was probably good, but 
But, uh, but we got to be reminded ourselves of what God has done, how faithful he has been. Uh, and, and it's power not just in our own lives to encourage us. It's, it's power in, in counseling and discipling. And, and uh, again, don't, t- don't, don't take those terms as uh, like if you're a counselor, but if like your spouse or your children or your friends need advice, uh, oftentimes you're, you're like a counselor. And so they're powerful in that. And then in context of Acts 22, it's, it's powerful in evangelism. Although the power that it is in evangelism for Paul is just spurning more persecution. So but what would you say is the difference between preaching the gospel and giving your testimony? Because I suppose you could kind of combine them when right. Yeah, the difference, I'd say the number, the number one difference between preaching the gospel is you must submit to Christ. He is Lord. And then the difference in your testimony is he is Lord, and this is how he's been Lord of my life. This is who I was before. This is who I am now. This is when I didn't admit that Jesus is Lord, I lived my life this way, and I had this outcome. And when I submitted to Christ and made him Lord over and progressively started to make him Lord of my life, this is what he did. This is how my life changed. And so I think preaching, the difference between preaching the gospel and giving your testimony is when you're preaching the gospel, it's, it's or evangelizing in that format, you're not, there's no option. There's no, it's just here's the facts. Jesus rose from the dead. He's alive. He's Lord of all. He's God. He's creator. Submit to him. <laughs> Repent. You mean like in saying like prophecies for other people, speaking in tongues is for yourself? Um, you might be able to apply that some way, especially in a, usually when you're evangelizing, you're, you're using a whole mixed bag of tools that God has given you. And by the Spirit, you know, hopefully by the Spirit, you're in tune with what that person needs. And so some people, just because the Lord wired us differently, our spirits are, are wired differently, that some people are much more relational, and they might hear what Jesus has done for your life more powerful than proof evidences. And some people might not be as relational and just be like, what are the facts? Like, you say Jesus rose from the dead, prove it. And not, not be as concerned or seemingly concerned about, about someone's testimony. Right? And so I'd, I'd, if you're evangelizing or... Uh, I mean, it would apply to, to counseling, spousal relationships, children, everything, you know, that you would be using, you should be using both. It's, it's uh, this is who the Lord is, this is what the Bible says, and if you say you're a Christian, you don't really have an option. <laughs> and, but then you could, but, but real quick, one of the parts of a, where a testimony would be helpful is saying like, yeah, I struggle with that also, this is a struggle that, this is how the Lord helped me, Right? Well, go ahead. People like to kind of criticize, especially in like Western, the Western view, how some some Christians like to emphasize. 
emphasize more testimony rather than kind of preaching gospel. It seems like. Um, sure, sure. So I kind of wanted to just ask about that and give better clarification. Yeah, I think at different times you might emphasize different ones, but if you're evangelizing, if you're in a, a normal relationship, uh, or an ongoing relationship, then and and there's advice or counsel given, you're probably going to use both, right? And and one might be more emphasized than the other at, at different times. And so, I also want to point you to First uh, John five six through eleven, where it just says testimony like eight times. So, it seems like a good verse for us to read. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. And there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he is born concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe, God has made, God has made him a liar. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. Sorry. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this, is, and this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. <clears throat> and so, and here it says that we have the testimony. The spirit applies the testimony that God has borne witness about Jesus Christ being raised from the dead, cleanses us of our sin. That testimony is internal, that we have it, that the Spirit applies it to us. And so I think it would be a good stewardship of that to consider your testimony, consider what God has done. If we um, just think in theological terms of the uh, standard that Jesus died for our sins kind of thing, and if you just think about how God has applied that, how has really God died for your sins? That's your testimony. What sins? Right? Think about it. Um, and how is, he, how is he... There should be an internal testimony from the Spirit that God is continually bearing witness to. And that's why it's so powerful. And so sometimes we have... Uh, or I would say we... Just all church culture, not just ours. I'm not too sure about ours. Uh, in this relationship or in this context because... Again, you've got to ask each other about their testimony, and then I could answer my own question that I'm about to ask or say. Is that I just think in an evangelical culture, we tend to glorify these awesome testimonies like, this guy was a homeless crack addict, and he killed three people, and now, and now he comes to church, and he's <laughs> awesome. And those are, really all, those are awesome testimonies. Like I think those are really powerful. And those are true. Uh, those happen all the. Those happen a lot, right? And uh, <laughs> no, no, it doesn't happen to everybody. <laughs> just, just some. Yeah, and even, even Paul has this testimony. If you read through uh, Acts twenty-two, it's like I was a murderer, and um, I'll probably get it. I'll get into more proof text on this, but. Uh, it probably wasn't that Paul was just like randomly there and holding the coats of the people while they were stoning Stephen. He was from Cilicia. Uh, Stephen was uh, supposedly in Cilicia arguing against the Jews who couldn't refute him. And so they followed him and, and to put him to death. And 
Paul was, had probably argued with Stephen before, unable to defend his, his points that Jesus was not the Christ and probably followed him to uh, stone him. So it wasn't just that Paul, I don't think it was just that Paul just randomly stumbled upon the stoning. He was like, that seems like a good idea. I'll hold your coats. <laughs> it's, I think he was, was uh, a major aggressor in the stoning of Stephen. And so he really partook of killing people. He really, he probably threw some of the stones. He really was arresting women and, and people and men and bringing them to the, uh, to the more Jewish prisons, that they, uh, you know, through the, through the temple. And so he, he does have this kind of like awesome testimony. He was this wicked man. He was like wild on this side. And then he converts to Christ and uh, you know, he, he goes blind, miracles happen, he gets sight, and like the next day he goes to Damascus where he's supposed to arrest people, and he's like, nope, Jesus actually was the Christ, I was wrong, and now you guys need to repent, and oh, now you want to kill me? Okay. Uh, and his, his life really does radically change in, in the course of three days. Um, and so he does have one of these like awesome testimonies, and what we normally get or what I see in just like a western evangelical sense is that we glorify those testimonies like I want that testimony no you don't (laughs) you want to go kill some people and repent and come back no all right you don't want that testimony for your children you really don't I don't want that testimony for my children and I'm not discounting those those really awesome testimonies they are God does awesome powerful things But I really do think an even greater testimony is that I was raised in the church. I don't remember a time where I didn't have a sense that I loved God and wanted to obey him. I think that's an awesome testimony. And we kind of downplay those testimonies like, oh, he's just a church kid. And the the biggest sin he ever did was, or she ever did, was uh, they told their mom they were going to be home at 8. And they came home at 8.05. And they did it on purpose. And... Uh, and we think those are kind of, and I think in our hearts we kind of downplay those testimonies, but I think those testimonies are greater in a sense. I want that for all of our children, <laughs> right? Yeah, and the testament where he's in the temple and God calls him, I think he's at like eight years old. Yeah. Oh, he didn't do a great job raising kids, but... His kids didn't have a great testimony. Uh, so let's do better than that. Uh, but right, I, I think those are awesome testimonies. Like I was raised in church. Uh, I don't remember a time where I didn't love God and, and want to follow him. Now some, there's obviously, some people backslide and, and that goes farther or, or, or deeper than some. But I really want that testimony for our kids. I want that testimony for uh, uh, anybody who's, a baby, you know? Uh, And so we downplay those like, oh, that's not really that powerful. Well, that that is really powerful. You're telling me God like chose to save you from the corruption of the world since you were like born? That's awesome. Like I feel feel like you're a little bit more blessed than me because I didn't have that, right? But I, I was born in to parents who love God and were in the church and I went to church my whole life and I Hey, didn't turn out that way for me, but but I think those testimonies are are really powerful. Uh, and just on a pragmatic sense, if you look at people who 
like big theologians uh, that are that are you know shaped history. They usually weren't the people like Paul who were way into the world, got converted, and then came to Christ, and then and then did something. They're usually two or three generations down the line of really godly parents and grandparents. It's usually two or three or four generations down the line that God is building something up and those people are shaping history. And so that's just pragmatically uh, uh, how it usually works out. It doesn't have to, God can do whatever he wants. He can raise up and tear down whoever and wherever he wants. But, but you look at people like, like Spurgeon and, and Luther and uh, Calvin and just a long line of reformers. It's, they're in a tradition, in a line where their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents uh, were, were pastors, preachers, uh, just godly individuals, uh, the Wesleys, mm-hmm. right? They're an example, and, and God is using them to, to shape history a lot of times. And so that's what I hope that we, we get here this morning. Nobody came in late, which is a bummer, because <laughs> nobody, well, you know, that late. You probably heard the points. Uh, it's not over. But I really just want to communicate that, that, that we should be considering our own testimony. Um, what, what has God done in our lives? What has God done in us corporately? And, and really, that helps us through hard times. That helps us through, uh, if you're going through a season where you don't feel like God's doing a lot, well, be reminded that, number one, he, he is. You might not be aware of it. What has he done in your life in the past? Where, is he, where has he brought you from? If you have ever made a decision like, I don't think I want to do that sin right now, then God has worked in you. Be reminded, he could do it again. Um, and consider each other's testimonies of, of just on a practical community building, um, how do we relate to each other, know each other's testimonies. What has God done in, in each other's lives? Sit down in the fellowship hall and, and ask everybody. And so... Of going back to Acts 1.8, so when he says that you will be my witnesses and then uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, what we've been doing so far is just looking at that corporately. But if that's true, that means that there are individuals in every one of these cities that have testimonies about what God has done, about what God is doing, what he has done, and probably have an idea of what he's what he's going to do. And so uh, we get the opportunity uh, just as Christians that uh, God works corporately, but he works individually. And so if you could just imagine and, and, or reread the book of Acts and think about, oh, when, uh, when Philip goes to Samaria and he's casting out demons and people get baptized in the Spirit and, and all these things happen, that means there's a ton of individuals in that city who now have a testimony about what the Lord has done. And that gives them an opportunity to witness, evangelize, counsel, encourage, admonish everybody they run into. And so we have opportunities uh, with people in our workplaces, with our family members, uh, with our other members of our church to use our testimony and be, and as, a, as a tool, as an opportunity to uh, uh, 
you know, hopefully led by the, by the Spirit to encourage people, to evangelize. And so kind of be aware of those, of those uh, opportunities and pray into them and ask the Lord. And if, you're not, if you never sat down and, and thought about your testimony, think about writing it out. Think about like, oh, here's like the main things that I'd want to communicate. Because you could think about it. I just had this, uh, heavens to everybody, but I just had a situation with somebody yesterday where they said something and it sounded pretty wild. And then they're like, it sounded better in my head. I'm like, it should have stayed in your head. (laughs) It should have stayed there. And uh, it always sounds good in our heads, but try writing it out. Try thinking about like some bullet points, like if I was going to share my testimony, uh, what would I share? If I was going to share to a non-believer, how would I share it? If I was going to share to a believer, how would I share my testimony? Right? And, and kind of think about through those things. And then when you ask each other about your, each other's testimonies, think about how that maybe has, maybe what God's doing in their life, how that's helping you. Right? Maybe not just in an encouragement way, but, you know, that how he's knitting us and building us together to be a community, a body of Christ, and how is he using this individual, even though you might not see a, a direct correlation in, in what God's doing there, but think about it and pray that how, how he's building that community, how he's building that part of the body of Christ to, to help you and how it's, how it's a testimony for you now. And so um, a little bit short, but that's really, I just wanted to encourage everybody to consider their testimonies and ask, ask others about their testimony. I think it's a huge, powerful tool that we need to utilize. And now you've got an extra 15 minutes here in a minute. Maybe we'll have 10 by the end. To, to ask each other. Roseanne. <laughs>